Hey, Baseball Way of Lifers, how's everybody doing? Today, we spotlight the 2021 San Diego Padres as our continuing 30 Teams in 30 Days segment. Ah, yes, the San Diego Padres. For years, the Padres overpromised and underdelivered, but this could be your dear Padres do indeed deliver. They really built up their minor league system the last few years, really overstocked it with some good talent. In the past year or so, they've been wheeling and dealing some of that talent to acquire some of the best pitching arms in baseball. Yes, in the past 12 months or so, the Padres have acquired Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, and Joe Musgrove. And they've really built a pitching staff that can compete with the Dodgers. Now, as you recall, last year when the Dodgers swept the Padres in the 20 playoffs, the Pods realized starting pitching was the separator between the two and added all these pitchers. Now, add the flash of Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, and the rest of the Slam Diego squad, and the Padres will be fun to watch in 21. Will they be able to uh, catch the Dodgers? That remains to be seen, but they're going to give them a damn good run for their money. Now, the Padres do need to stay healthy in 21, especially with some of the pitchers I just mentioned, Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, and Lamette, because they've been injury-prone in the past, and if they can't stay healthy, it's going to be a hindrance to their chances of overtaking the Dodgers. And as far as the uh, core of the everyday lineup, you just have to hope Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis stay healthy and just have their usual typical seasons, and all will be right. I know Tatis had a scare in the preseason this year, the exhibition, spring training, I should say, and uh, it gave a little bit of a fear factor in uh, San Diego management there, but I think he will stay healthy. I mean, he is just a stud, and he's going to do well, and uh, when we come back, we're going to touch back on the uh, San Diego Padres history, and then after that, we're going to go deep into the 2021 squad, so give us a second, and we'll be right back. Ah, yes, the San Diego Padres. They've been around since 1969. Time sure flies. Over 50 years since they've been in baseball, and that is hard to believe. Uh, they've won two pennants since they started. Uh, 1984 and 1998, they were the National League champions. But they had a rough road because they ran into two buzzsaws in the World Series. The 84 Tigers, who had a year for the ages, and the 1998 Yankees, one of the best baseball teams of all time. Winning hasn't always come easy for the Padres. Uh, they've had 15 winning seasons in franchise history, and there have been a lot of lean years lately. So a revival in San Diego is well wel welcomed by the denizens of San Diego, and uh, I think San Diego is ready to embrace them since they are the only team in town. And go for a long ride with this Padre team the way it stands now. Now the Padres, like I said, are one of only two major league teams. The other being the Angels in California to originate from the state. The Athletics were originally from Philadelphia. Uh, they moved to the state of, to the state from Kansas City. And the Dodgers and Giants are originally from the two New York City boroughs, Brooklyn and Manhattan, respectively. So the Padres are a true California team like the Angels. And, like I into that before they're the only team in town which makes the Padres one of two MLB teams which do not share its market with another franchise in the four major American League professional leagues. Uh, now that the Chargers left and scooted off to Los Angeles in 2017, 
The Padres are the only game in town. So this is theirs for the taking. They can become San Diego. They are San Diego sports. And I think San Diego wants to wear the uh, brown and gold colors proudly and let the world know that the Padres are from San Diego. Now, the A's are the only other team which does not share its city proper with another professional sports league, with the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. But um, Oakland kind of is considered a Bay Area team with all the San Francisco teams. So, I, me personally, I consider the Padres to be the only team in baseball that is the only professional sports team in its market. And another funny thing is about the Padres is everyone talked about the Mets until Johan Santana pitched that somewhat of a no-hitter. It was a no-hitter, but this was before instant replay. But if there was replay, that would not have been a no-hitter. So the Mets ended their long streak after 50 years of no-hitters, not having a no-hitter. But the Padres now... People forget that they have gone 8,020 games without throwing one, and that is a major league record. So that is their claim to fame. <laughs> uh, now, how did the Padres get their name? Well, the Padres adopted their name from the Pacific Coast League team that arrived in San Diego in 1936. There's a lot of history behind that team, as that franchise won the PCL title in 1937, led by the splendid splinter Ted Williams, the future Hall of Famer. He was a native of San Diego, and he rocked the house when he was with the uh, San Diego Padres. The team's name is Spanish for Fathers, and that refers to Spanish Franciscan friars who founded San Diego in 1769. Now in 69, San Diego was granted a Major League Baseball expansion team, and they joined the ranks as one of four new teams along with the Expos, who now are the Washington Nationals, the Kansas City Royals and the Seattle Pilots, who left after one year. They had horrible uh, stadium conditions in Seattle, and they became the Milwaukee Brewers. Their original owner was C. Arnold Smith, a prominent San Diego businessman and former owner of the PCL project Padres, so there's a connection there. And his interests included banking, hotels, tuna fishing, real estate, and airlines. So he was a well-diversified businessman. And despite the initial excitement, the guidance of long-term uh, baseball executives Eddie Leishman and Buzzy Bavese, as well as a new playing field, the team really never took off, and they struggled. Uh, they finished in last place in each of its first six seasons in the National League West, losing 100 games or more four times. So it was tough to get enthusiastic about the Padres, that's for sure. And one of the few bright spots on the team during the early years was first baseman Nate Colbert. I love Nate. A big Stratomatic fan. The Padres were, I was born in 61, so I was fascinated with the 73 team. And Nate Colbert was the best player on that team. So I have fond memories of rolling the dice with Nate Colbert as my first baseman. And they got Nate as an expansion draftee from the Houston Astros. And believe it or not, he is still the Padres' career leader in home runs. Then the team's fortunes got better. And they won five National League West titles and reached the World Series twice, 1984 and 98. And as I mentioned before, they lost both titles to very good teams. And the big man in the 80s and 90s, you guessed it, Tony Gwynn. He won eight batting titles while he was with the Padres. And then they moved to their current stadium, Petco Park, in 2004. And as I said, the Padres, as of 2020, are the only team in Major League Baseball yet to throw a no-hitter. 
Uh, Andy Ashby came close. Remember Andy? September 5th, 1997, we took a no-hitter into the ninth inning. That's as close as the team has come to achieving that feat. Uh, and last year, who will ever forget, Slam Diego. In the year of COVID, Slam Diego got a lot of attention. They became the first major league team in baseball history to grand slams in four consecutive games. What were the odds? Now, since we're just concluding spring training, it should be noted that the team has played its spring training games at Peoria Sports Complex in Peoria, Arizona since 1984, and they share that stadium with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, prior to that, they held spring training in Yuma, Arizona at Desert Sun Stadium. Uh, Yuma was popular with the Padre fans. Uh, it was a short driving distance, 170 miles, and many fans would travel by car from San Diego for spring training games. Uh, when they moved to Peoria, it was very controversial, but was defended as a team as a reflection on the low quality of facilities in Yuma and the long travel necessary to play against other Arizona-based spring training teams, who were basically all located and still are in the Phoenix-Tucson areas, and that's pretty far from Yuma. So despite the fans loving the proximity, uh, they did have to move to just avoid the wear and tear of traveling in spring training. That can knock anybody out. Now, as you remember when the five, you old-timers like me, that the uh, first San Diego Padre logo depicted a friar swinging a bat with the Padres written at the top while standing in a sun-like figure with the San Diego Padres on the exterior of it. The swinging friar has popped up on the uniform on and off ever since. He's no longer used as the primary logo. It remains as the mascot of the team and is now utilized as an alternate logo on the uniform sleeve. Brown and gold were the Padres' original colors. Now let's see how that plays into history as we progress. Uh, they were cream base for the home uniforms and a tan base for the road uniforms. Uh, brown letters with gold trim adorned the uniforms, which featured the team name in front of both designs. A second tan uniform, this time with the city name, was used as a road alternate before becoming its primary in 1971. Caps were all brown with the gold SD. Remember those? I loved them. The team later broke out an alternate gold cap with brown rim and SD lettering. Uh, switching from final polyester in 72, which a lot of teams were doing, the Padres changed their uniforms and wore old gold uniforms and pants regardless of road or home games, with the only difference being, being the gold road uniform blazing with the city name and the home uniform with the team name. The Padres broke out a new brown cap complete with gold front panel and a brown SD, which remained for its next several years. The gold front panel was shaped as a bell alluding to the mission bell markers that identified El Camino Real, the road that created, connected all 21 missions from San Diego to Sonoma. But then in 74, the Padres returned to wearing traditional home uniforms, as the design had a scripted Padres lettering front, with the road design keeping much of the original aesthetic. Chest numbers were added, in 76, the Padres ditched the buttons in favor of pullovers for the home uniform. In addition, they went with a brown uniform top for road games, featuring gold sleeves and gold letters. So you can see the changes. The Padres have always been changing their uniforms. And then the brown uniform serves as the template for the Padres' next uniform set in 1978. The home uniforms now featured brown sleeves and gold letters, and a gold alternate with brown sleeves and letters were also released. The full team name, which was written in a more futuristic font, was emblazoned in front while the swinging friar logo was added to the left sleeve. 
However, this set only lasted for that season. The Padres tweaked its design next season. The next season, the updated design removed the swinging Friar logo while returning to the team name city dynamic for home and road games, respectively. Then from 8084, they went changed it a little bit. They added a little orange to the scheme. And uh, the team's next uniform removed the contrasting colored sleeves and chest numbers, and orange was added to the letters and striping of the home uniforms and trim and striping of the road uniforms. The caps were also updated to feature orange trim on the SD and within the gold panel. In 1984, the Padres added the initials R.A.K. on the left sleeve in honor of Ray Kroc, their owner, who had passed on. In 85 and 90, the Padres switched to a, using a script-like logo in which the Padres was written sloped up. That would later become a script logo for the Padres. The team's colors were changed to brown and orange and remained that way through the 90 season. In 89, the Padres took the scripted Padres logo, put it in a gray ring that read San Diego Baseball Club with a striped center. Who remembers that? That same year, the Padres returned to wearing traditional button uniforms. The whole uniforms featured the scripted Padres in front while the road uniforms had the SD emblazoned on the left chest. Brown letters with orange trim and brown pinstripes adorned both uniforms. The RAK initials remained until 1986, and an all-brown cap with the orange SD was used with the uniform. Then in 91-93, they changed the color scheme again. The Padre logo was updated. The color of the ring was changed to silver, and the Padre script was changed from brown to blue. The logo only lasted one year as the Padres changed their logo for the third time in three years again by switching colors of the ring. The logo became a white ring with fewer stripes in the center and the darker blue Padres script with the orange shadows. 91 team's colors were also changed to a combination of orange and navy blue. The home uniform kept pinch stripes but were changed to navy blue which also implemented the letters. The road uniforms eliminated the pinch stripes and added the city name and navy blue block letters with white trim and orange drop shadows. A navy cap with the S in white and D in orange was used with the uniform. The team logo was added on the left sleeve in 96. Then the Padres unveiled the, unveiled the navy blue alternate uniform in 97, featuring the team name in front navy blue with orange drop shadows. Other features include orange numbers, the back, and white piping along the chest, neck, and sleeves. White chest numbers were added in 99. Initially, the swing fryer logo was added to the left sleeve, but was moved after the 98 season in favor of the team's primary logo, which lasted until the 2020 season. The following year, the Padres began wearing an alternate white uniform, which bore the same features as the primary home uniform, minus the pinstripes and orange trim. Navy blue piping was also added. An alternate navy cap with the white SD was used with the uniform. The uniform became the primary in 2020, 2001, I should say, after which pinstripe, pinstripe uniforms were retired following that season. And in 2004 to 2015, they went to the blue and sand look. And then in 2016, they went to the blue and white look. And I never was a fan of either one, to be honest with you. But lo and behold, in 2020, they've gone back to the brown and gold pinstripes. Uh, the new uniform design features the brown and gold colors, and they were revealed on November 9th of 2020. The team featured brown and gold on each of the three unveiled jerseys including the return of pinstripes to the Padre home jersey for the first time since 2001, and a sand-colored road jersey along with the pinstripes, making the Padres the only team in Major League Baseball to wear road pinstripes for the first time since 2010. 
Alternate pinstripe sand pants are paired with the brown alternate jersey. The shade of the sand color is noticeably darker than the sand colored road uniforms worn from 2004 to 2010. An all brown cap with SD and gold was released. With the uniform, the Padres again were the only team without a gray jersey. And as we know, they have the camouflage jersey in 2000. They started wearing that, and it's now in its seventh iteration since starting in 2008. They've worn camouflage jerseys for every home game. So the Padres pay respect to the military because they are based in San Diego, and the military has been a big part of that fan base for a long time. And like I said, the Swinging Friar is currently the mascot of the team. Some in the past confused the chicken, famous San Diego chicken, with as being the mascot of the Padres. You know, as, although he does make appearances occasionally at San Diego sporting events, he has never been the official mascot of any sports team. Now, when we come back, yes, I know it's been a long history lesson, but we'll touch back on in more detail the 2021 San Diego Padres. Okay, back to 2021, the San Diego Padres. And let's go with their projected go-to starting lineup. And it is quite impressive. Uh... Leading off will probably be shortstop Fernando Tatis. He is going to do it all. Uh, and you can't ask for a better leadoff man than Fernando. Uh, both he and Manny Machado, and you put in Will Myers, they're going to provide quite a lot of pop for the Padres this year. Uh, it wouldn't even surprise me if Fernando gets close to 40 home runs and he could probably steal 30 bases as he's going to be one of the top sluggers in the game today. And to me, he is a good leadoff hitter as you can get. So I can't complain about Fernando being in the number one spot. And I don't think Jake Cronenworth is going to complain being in the second hole. He's the second baseman. He'll probably be the second place hitter in the lineup. Uh, good hitter. Uh not bad pop for a second baseman, you know, average at best, but he'll do what he has to do in that lineup. He's uh, originally coming, came up through the Tampa Bay organization, so you know those Tampa Bay players. They play the game the way it should be played. And batting third, Manny Machado. And I've heard no complaints about Manny Machado so far as a San Diego Padre. Uh, he'll be batting third. And I expect over 30 homers for him. And again, he'll have a slogging percentage probably over 500. And it's amazing how people forget how he was criticized for being a dog. But, I mean, Manny has his moments, but this guy just flat out produces. And uh, I like him in the number three hole. Now, I think all eyes are going to be on Eric Hosmer at first base. Uh I think they're expecting bigger things from Eric. They're going to probably give him the clean of spot this year. But he is going to have to start hitting the ball a little bit better than I think he has in the past. And then Tommy Pham is another one, a center fielder, who uh, I think it's time for Tammy to really st- Tommy to step up his game too. And same with Will Myers. So four through six with Hosmer, Pham. Pham is a center fielder. Will Myers is the right fielder. These guys are stud ball players. I just think they have more potential than what they've been showing the last few years. And if they can carry their weight in the four through six hole, this is going to be quite a lineup for the Padres. Now, Victor Caratini, who they got in a trade with the Cubs. Uh, he's Hugh Darvish's caddy. He's his catcher, personal catcher. 
Uh, he'll probably be the starting catcher most of the time. And then uh, Jerickson Profar in left field. A lot has been expected from Jerickson uh, so far in his career. They, Texas had high expectations for him. Then he went to Oakland. Uh, maybe it's time without all eyes upon him to blossom into what he can be. So the lineup, it, to me, it's not as strong as the Dodgers lineup, one through eight. But it's serviceable. And coming off the bench, uh, it looks like that for catcher with Luis Camposano. Infield outfielder with Hei Song Kim. Infield outfielder to Kupita Marcano. And outfield infielder Jorge Mateo. Uh, Jorge Mateo, the Yankees had high expectations for him at one time. So uh, he's 25, 20, still considered a prospect. Uh most of these guys off the bench are considered prospects, so uh, they're going with the younger guys coming off the bench, and hopefully they can, one or two of them can develop and become the ball players uh, San Diego hopes them to be. Now, the starting rotation is what rocks my world. I mean, I think it's as good as any rotation out there. All these guys could be an ace on any ball club, uh, but it looks like you, Darvish, and Blake Snell, of course, based on their past and what they've proven to do, you uh, Darvish with a fantastic 2020 year. I love you. And uh, he, people don't realize what a great strikeout pitcher is. I think he still holds the record for most strikeouts per nine innings or has the highest strikeout per nine inning ratio in baseball history. Uh, he'll be the ace, and there's always a potential Cy Young coming out of him. And then same with Blake Snell. And Blake Snell's probably going to get a little free reign with the Padres this year, which is good to see. Uh, let him wing it and see what he can do. Uh, those two just powerful power pitchers. They just got to stay healthy. And the same goes for Joe Musgrove, a very, very good pitcher. Uh, he was a first-round pick with the Pirates, and uh, we'll see what happens. Joe has the potential, and like any pitcher, he's only 28, so this could be when he starts really breaking through. But the guy I really like is Chris Paddock. I saw him pitch a lot, and he was fantastic in the beginning of the year last year. And uh, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Uh, Adrian Morjan, uh, he probably be the fifth pitcher. And they're high on him in the organization, too. So he's going to get a chance to crack it in the rotation, and we'll see what he can do. And in the bullpen, I love the uh, one-two punch. And you can even throw Mark Melancon and Melanson as the uh, third closer. So it's a three-headed monster with Drew Pomerantz, Emilio Pagan, and Mark Melanson as the uh, bullpen specialist. Uh, Padres went out and addressed the weakness in the bullpen this year by going out and getting Melanson, Kayone Kewa, and uh, Nabel Krismat in the bullpen. Nabel was a free agent they got from St. Louis, Kayla from Pittsburgh, and Melanson from Atlanta. But Pomerantz, Pagan, and Melanson are going to be the three guys that they're depending on. I think Pomerantz is going to get the bulk of the closing activity, and uh, he can bring it. And uh, I love the fact that they have these guys coming out of the bullpen to protect their starting rotation. It's very good to see. Uh, there's a few pitchers. Like I said, the rotation's only going to get better. Uh, unfortunately, Mike Levenger has Tommy John surgery. Who knows when he'll be back. He's probably missing the whole season. And uh, Dimelson Lamette still has elbow discomfort. Uh, 
He was operated on last September. I'm not sure what his projected return date is. Those are two guys that are just stud pitchers, too. And uh, if they get healthy and come back, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, Austin Noah is on the uh, DL. Uh, he fractured his finger in March. He should be back sometime soon. Uh, and Trent Grisham out in the outfield, he has a strained hamstring, and he should be back sometime early in the season. Now, as far as prospects are concerned, uh, like I said, they have a lot of good players already on the roster who consider prospects coming off the bench. But there's a few, and the, the one, when you look into the future, and he may even come up early this year, is Mackenzie Gore. Uh, he was the number one draft pick, picked third overall in the draft, and big expectations for Mackenzie. He could be one of the top starters in the game once he comes up. And then another player that's very, very highly regarded uh, by the Padres and the baseball world in general is uh, C.J. Abrams. He's a shortstop second baseman, but they're not expecting him to come up until the middle of 2012. But he is another one, first-round draft pick by San Diego, the sixth overall pick. So, uh, like I said, they got some really guy, guys who consider future All-Stars coming up through the pipeline. And another one to watch out for is Robert Hassel III. He's a center fielder, right fielder. So the future looks bright for San Diego. It's going to be a fun ride this year for sure, and the future looks pretty bright the way it is with all these prospects coming up too. So I look for the Padres to be in the mix for at least the next three to five years. Uh, this year... I don't think they have enough to overtake the Dodgers. I don't think any team has enough to overtake the Dodgers. Um, San Diego could very well win 95 games and still finish 10 games out. Uh, but the key is to establish a winning tradition. And after last year's playoff appearance and this year, and they'll make it. I'm almost guaranteeing they'll make it. Uh, the winning ways could be returning to San Diego, and there could be a winning culture from here on out. Uh, you never say never. They, in any baseball series, anything can happen. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Padres got to the World Series, but I don't think they will. But I think they'll be a lock for the wild card, and I just think the Dodgers are too good to get in, to be dethroned by anybody. So my pick is San Diego wild card, and somewhere along the way they'll be eliminated by the Dodgers. So that's my prediction for the San Diego Padres this year. I think 93-95 to 95 wins for them. Um but it'll be a fun season. Hope you enjoy watching the Padres this year. As always, thanks for listening to this podcast. We'll talk to you soon. And please do subscribe on Spotify to, this, to the podcast. Thank you.